Jess here and I'm welcoming you to this week's I Went to Bali and All I Got Was This Deserted Studio edition of Spin Cycle. I have been left on my own. That's probably fair enough. Uh, This is the media show that tries to make sense of the chaos that is our 24-hour news cycle. Broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, lands for which sovereignty have never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Crikey's freshly minted media reporter, Danny Said, his second week in the job. And we're going to be looking at um, today's suggestion that uh, it was sort of went a little bit wild on social media this afternoon. Uh, it was suggested that the ABC News uh, ABC News is considering handing over footage of climate activists to the WA police as part of their kind of ongoing Woodside investigation. Uh, contended, I believe, but we're going to be chatting about that. We're also going to be um, sticking in WA for a pretty wild report that came out today uh, of a detective in the Cleo Smith case who was uh, leaking to a journalist that he uh, allegedly developed a relationship with whilst that investigation was unfolding. I don't know if you remember everything that went on that week, but I do pretty clearly and the whole thing kind of blows my mind. Uh, But first, if you have been following... Um, oh, I should have said, I did say, didn't I, that I am flying solo this week. I'm not <laughs> I'm not keeping people kind of hanging while I just chat away. Charlie, unfortunately, unable to join us, and um, n- nor Rachel. Uh, and <laughs> even when I tried to ring in some others, uh, everyone's busy, which is understandable given that I decided to ditch the country during the hardest, uh, one of the hardest weeks to front up when it when it came to um, talking about the media and what was happening in our news landscape last week. So I will take all of that. And so you're with me. We're going to have um, our chat with Daniel, Danny. Um, but first, if you have been following the case of the so-called high-profile man, which I decided was quite a good band name, I saw it repeated so often in the news, high-profile man from Toowoomba, uh, anyone, uh, you can take it. That's yours if you want that band name. I, I think it's a good one. It sort of follows a great tradition of slightly um, ironic, st- satirical um, Melbourne band names taken from news snippets. Uh, but, yes, the high-profile man from Toowoomba who was facing rape charges and was not able to be named according um, with uh, in accordance with Queensland law that that changed very recently Um, and even since that law change they had been trying valiantly to keep their identity out of the media. Um, If you have been following that story you won't be surprised to learn this afternoon in the last couple of hours that it has been uh, publicly revealed that that high profile man is in fact Bruce Lerman who was, of course, uh, the accused in the Brittany Higgins case. Uh, despite his legal team's best efforts, um, Bruce could not run outrun those changes to the Queensland law that have now allowed alleged rapists to be named before they stand trial. And while it is very in very early stages in that trial's development, um, some might already call that a slight smidgen of justice, but let's see what happens uh, as that goes on. Words 
and music. Triple R. Dani Said is in week two of his gig as the media reporter with Crikey. And before that, he was a sports reporter with news.com.au and started his journalism career at the Daily Examiner, exa- <laughs> Examiner in Grafton after studying international relations and law. And now joins us fresh from cricket training. You've got the sport bug. It's in you, Dani. I do. What an intro. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. News limited to crikey. Quite a change. How are things going in week two? Yes, no lawsuits set off just yet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, watch the space. Um, going really well. Crikey's been amazing. I'm loving the job. Um, it's a very, very different beat to, to doing sport in sort of the digital masthead. So loving that. Loving the having my weekends back and my sleep back. <laughs> Exactly. But, I mean, sport to media, I'm intrigued. Anyway, I'm not going to grill you any longer um, because you are here to um, talk through some of the some of the media stories that have been happening this week. And um, today the socials kind of lit up for, for a hot minute when climate activist group uh, Disrupt Borough Pub released a statement claiming the ABC had decided to... Uh, surrender Four Corners footage to the WA police as part of the kind of ongoing Woodside trial and in this case against <coughs> uh, Disrupt Borough Pub's media advisor, Jesse Noakes, who is facing some counts of refusing to obey a data access order, I believe. Can you um, give us a little bit more of a background to this announcement before we actually talk about the, the sort of um, the credibility of it? Yeah, absolutely. So the ABC uh, and Four Corners back in August produced a four, produced Four Corners program um, that looked into an activist group called Disruptor Up Hub, who were opposed to Woodside's expansion, Woodside Petroleum's expansion of their gas um, their gas projects in the Brough Peninsula. And basically, part of that involved sort of processing outside the CEO's house in Perth, Meg O'Neill. And as a result, that program that went to air earlier this month uh, has become part of every state. A lot of state and territories have sort of equivalents to this legislation, but WA's has been particularly controversial. Mm. Um, and it, it's just notice, notice to produce, or um, which is part of the Criminal Investigation Act. The and so what's happened is Jesse Noakes, who's the media advisor for Disrupt Bar Pub. Um, has been charged with failure to obey those. Um, the legislation provides for a reasonable excuse. Uh, and so what's happened is that's the defence that Jesse Noakes is going to be running uh, in, the, in the WA courts. Uh, but the controversy came before the courts. So what happened is that the ABC... Uh, I've been in constant negotiations with WA police over the last sort of month and a half or so. And the concern is that the ABC will surrender that some of the footage that wasn't used in the sort of the aired version of Four Quarters, but was taken in confidence. Mm. Uh, And obviously, so that raises a whole bunch of ethical issues. And so it resulted in a really weird press release from the WA uh, police force earlier this month, which had to clarify that the WA police respects freedom of the press, which is, you know, my T-shirt is raising questions, <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
but th- so that brings us to this statement today, which um, on its surface appeared to suggest that the ABC had agreed to um, to release footage um, t- to the WA police. And um, part of the statement came from um, a Baladong Noongar man named Desmond Blurton, who is a Disrupt Barapub campaigner um, and death, deputy chair of the Deaths in Custody Watch Committee, and said uh, that he basically said, as a, ca- a campaigner, um, he um, leads a lot of campaigns, he's uh, especially on um, sacred lands, and was filmed by Four, Four Corners a number of times as part of that program and as part of that investigation, um, none of which necessarily aired, and now is um, alarmed by the idea of that, that footage being handed over to WA police. Has the ABC um, said that it is handing that footage over, or, or what is the what are the, um, you know... Where do, what is actually happening? So the state of play at the moment, I got in touch with the ABC this morning. The ABC at this stage uh, have not disclosed any of that. So the, the statement that came from an ABC spokesperson read to me, uh, any suggestion that the ABC has disclosed or will disclose material in breach of any undertaking to a confidential source is incorrect. Uh, the MD of the ABC, David Anderson, was in front of Senate estimates earlier this week as well, and this came up in front of uh, Senator Hughes and Senator Henderson, and the and he was very unequivocal for the most part about that. He said, we don't reveal our sources and we never will. The concern that has been raised this week is in the wording of that. So Mr Anderson, David Anderson, made reference to negotiations with WA police about the fullness of uh, what can and can't be disclosed uh, mm-hmm. because of the concern of, of revealing confidences. And that sort of seems to have sparked alarm amongst Disrupt Barab Hub particularly, yep. um, but also sort of the broader community in terms of the implications of that. But at the moment, as far as there's been no confirmation that the ABC have made that disclosure yet. The concern is that they have made the decision to as a very, very specifically worded press release for that reason. Yeah, because it says the ABC have decided to surrender Four Corners footage to WA Police. What what do you think the... I guess um, I'm assuming... um, the reason Disrupt Barrett have put out this press release today is to put monumental pressure on the ABC not to release the footage. Absolutely. The concern is quite legitimate. Yeah. That, as it should be, that the, the protection of confidential sources, um, not just for the ABC but for the sources themselves, that's quite a legitimate concern. The AB... Sorry, Disrupt Barrett Hub, uh, I think... Yeah, like you say, uh, are just looking to put a lot of pressure on the ABC. That being said, and there's a really interesting part of the statement as well, because they, the barrister representing or yeah. appearing for, uh, for, uh, for Mr Noakes comes out and says that the ABC have a... Instead of speaking to, uh, to Jessie Noakes' defence first, she actually speaks to the ABC's mm. defence, which is the same defence. Um, so Section 552 of the, of the Criminal Investigations Act speaking to reasonable excuses. Um, the This is really fascinating as well because there's a number of laws not just relating to criminal prosecution and contempt but also defamation in terms of shield laws that have been quite recently developed uh, around the states. Um, and so there are a lot of 
changes that came to defamation law in 2021 around public interest and then again uh, in Queensland with regard to protection of journalist sources. Um, but I, to be completely honest with you, Jess, I would be really, really surprised if the ABC ended up disclosing those sources or at least in fullness. Mm, or handing over swathes of um, of footage that didn't make it to air. Surely the knock-on effect for any future investigations would be so kind of momentous in terms of confidence in in protecting sources. And I also imagine there's a lot of, um, you know, even within the ABC, reporters would be also alarmed um, that that development might be p- considered so... You know, it, it could be a very kind of clever tactic to um, t- to get them to hold the line, I suppose. Exactly right. And there was a really interesting remark that Justice Lee made in the Heston Russell defamation case, mm. which I think is probably relevant here in that Justice Lee talks about the... or talked about how the ABC Investigations Unit, which takes into a significant extent four corners, and and so Justice Stevens, I think, would have significant say in, who's the Director of News Investigations, uh, in the final call on this. He talks about the ABC Investigations team being somewhat of an elite call. Whether that's true or not is is another matter, but seen as a bit of an elite call. Um, The... I think that's fair, mm. and Australians have a significant amount of trust in the ABC Investigations Unit in particular, being publicly funded and so on and so forth. Um, and, yeah, so there's so many broader-ranging implications for it. Yeah. I would be really, really surprised. And as you said, as the Disrupt Borough Pub um, barrister Zara Burgess said, was, you know, even though that they're both ABC and Jesse Noakes are putting forward the same defence, um, Jesse Noakes has a lot more to lose than the ABC does and the the implication being if you're going to hang a sauce out to dry like that, <laughs> you know, you, you better know what you're doing. Exactly right. Um, I, would be, I would be really, really surprised, yeah. to be completely honest. Staying in the wild, wild west, um, a very interesting story dropped today um, from the West Australian uh, Deputy Editor Heather McNeil and reporter Jacinta Burton about... Um, one of the kind of senior detectives, well, actually the most high-profile detective, I think, in the um, case of the kidnapping of Cleo Smith, who, I mean, I don't know how anyone could forget it if you were in the country because it was just a wild media storm for a week. Um, Young Cleo Smith was kidnapped from a camping site um, and there was a huge um, search for her. Um, for days and and she was finally, thankfully, found unharmed. Um, But the the lead homicide squad detective, um, Senior Sergeant Cameron Blaine, who led the raid of... um, of her abductor's home and was there when, you know, asked her name, when she prompted that famous response, my name is Cleo, has... um, has uh, been accused of misconduct in a relationship with a journalist whilst that was going on, and it is a wild story. <laughs> it, it, like, yeah, sorry, it's extraordinary. Yeah, like, it's basically saying that whilst all of that was happening, whilst he was leading this investigation, he was he entered in a relationship with. It sounds like so a lot of journalists sort of decamped to. Um, the location where they were searching for Claire Smith and they were get, obviously getting briefed every day. He entered into a relationship with one of the journalists and then just started leaking a lot of information to her. 
Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's an extraordinary. I guess the the really funny part about it is that there's a mention in the report uh, or the relevant report that. There's no suggestion that the, that the journalist in question has, has committed any wrongdoing. No, um, which I think is quite funny. Um, <laughs> but the you know just part of the job. Uh, there's plenty of you know plenty of movies that. Uh, would follow similar plot lines. Well, I, I just I read this and just was like, surely this is the script is writing itself here, you know. There's another episode of Underbelly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Another season, I should say. But yeah, fascinating stuff in terms of uh, police misconduct here, and I guess the wider ranging implications as well should be probably a little bit more concerning. It's very easy to, to have a laugh about not just the age discrepancy between Cameron Blaine and this journalist. So Cameron Blaine is... 50? 50. Yeah. And this journalist... Or alleged 22. Journalist, mm. is 22 years old. Mm. Uh, so there's a massive, massive power dynamic, uh, power discrepancy there. There's a massive age discrepancy there. Um, but more than that, there's obviously just the confidences of... Um, or the, the, the handling of confidential information in... Police investigations. I sort of loathe to think of what could happen if it wasn't, um, if the case hadn't been sort of a as high profile mm. as the Clear Smith case, but b the, the Clear Smith investigation for, for all intents and purposes was somewhat of a success in that someone yeah. was. Uh, and again, I'm loath to use that term because someone is charged before the courts. Um, but the well, she was found and, and rescued, you know, exactly. relatively the, unharmed. Exactly. The, the child was found and rescued relatively unharmed. So in that sense, I, I, I like to think about what could have happened if it was a, a case that was not as successful. Mm. And and after the fact, can you imagine a, a family in a less successful case being told that this was the, the behaviour of a, of a detective on that? on that case. And um, some of the details that the journalist um, claimed or told the watchdog that Blanche, the detective Blanche shared with her were things like um, the route that um, the accused took, his history, uh, her sleeping, Cleo's sleeping bag not being recovered, body cam vision he, sh- he showed the journalist apparently, you know, all of these things that should not have been shared with the media um, before that, before they had a suspect, it's quite mind blowing. And this was while um, the investigation was underway, and before they had actually um, found Cleo. And it also came out as part of this um, investigation that this wasn't the first time he'd done this, too. Um, as though I, it, I don't know, I just got the, I got this picture in my head of this like swaggering cop um, with with um, understanding what a current what currency is for a journalist, you know, and and sort of kind of feeding them this currency as part of this um, attempted relationship. It's just so bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something to be said for when the, the some of the information, yeah, like you say, wasn't public knowledge mm. is, the, is the fascinating part. The idea of a public institution giving exclusives uh, to journalists in, in cases like this is, is really... I mean, it happens regularly in in other contexts, but it's kind of fascinating in a police context. Um, so there's a there's a lot to unpack in in that sense. But it it blew my mind when it when it came out. To be completely honest, totally. And I, 
I'd love to be a fly on the wall <laughs> for those conversations. It, it, there was a rake episode about this, I'm almost certain. <laughs> Oh, we'll have to go back. I mean, there are, I mean, these relationships surely do develop between journalists and police. And as we know, it does uh, between journalists and politicians as well. And, you know, uh, Dani, have you ever been in that position where you felt like (laughs) you've had to overstep the line to get some information, you know, I don't know, in the cricket club change rooms, perhaps? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, the, uh, nice try. But the but certainly there's there's times that um, without without getting into into juicy juicy gossip um, on air, the there are times often where you know the crossover of your social circles, as it does happen with journalists, um, sort of can present not just an ethical quandary with, like, what are, what are my friends telling me as friends and what are they telling me in their professional capacities? Mm. Um, naturally, as journalists, we're friends with a lot of other journalists and we also, you know, we went to uni with a lot of political staffers and a lot of uh, people in elected office and so on and so forth. There is a very close relationship there. So that's uh, something that... I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm quite young. I'm only two years into this gig and mm. or just under and that's something I'm learning and um, sometimes learning the hard way, sometimes learning, sometimes avoiding learning the hard way, thankfully, but, you know. Uh, the waters can get muddy. Very, very quickly. Um, I have, yeah. Um, staying on the subject of cricket, um, News Limited tried desperately to keep the kind of teeth gnashing momentum alive after the referendum result last weekend by combining three of their favourite things: sport, patriotism, and culture wars. <laughs> how Absolutely. did that go? For, how did that go for them? Can you uh, fill us in on that one? Um, so this was. What are we? Are we allowed to swear on this program? Yes, one hundred percent. I encourage oh, it. Excellent, excellent, very good. Um, and the reason I ask is because some of the uh, some of the language used was uh, strong. Uh, the <laughs> so uh, cricket. So for those of us who, who aren't cricket fans, Australia's playing the World Cup at the moment. Uh, Adam Zampa is one of our more free spirited players. Uh, he's he's a he's a vegan who lives in who lives in Byron Bay. Uh, and dresses his child, very cute child, in him. So the <laughs> make of that what you will. Uh, a lovely, a lovely man in all of my interactions with him. Genuinely, uh, an outstanding individual. Uh, and what happened after the Sri Lanka game uh, that uh, was the first World Cup game after the voice referendum, and there was footage of Adam Zampa and the coach, Andrew McDonald, not singing the national anthem, and that is like catnip to a, to a News Corp reporter. Mm-hmm. And it, it teed off. So there was an article that came out on news.com.au after the Sri Lanka game, uh, and it was headlined, Storm erupts as Ollie doesn't sing anthem. <laughs> And the storm in question was oh, one blue check on Twitter uh, who was has no discernible expertise in cricket whatsoever but is very upset about all things sort of woke and communist. And, is, and this woman, uh, Rosita Diaz, uh, was very, very upset about Adam Zampa not singing the national anthem. So that was the storm. Who even uh, watches for that bit? Like, isn't that when everyone's getting their, you know, snacks ready and cracking their beer? Oh, I and... love, 
<laughs> I love an anthem. I what? absolutely adore an anthem. So during the Women's World Cup, which I was covering sort of almost full time earlier oh, this year. We have to talk um, more about that another day. We loved loved the loved the anthems and so uh, a friend of mine, uh, Georgia Radic, uh, who does a lot of commentary down in Melbourne, uh, would met, would sort of get on Twitter and be like, This anthem sucks, this anthem's <laughs> awesome. Um, it was great fun for everyone involved. Love an anthem. Oh, I mean the um, other other I, I get that other countries' anthems, but the Austra- <laughs> the Australian anthem, you know, what oh, I mean is if you're watching, you know, an Australian team play an international game, when the Australian anthem comes on, that's when you're readying yourself and getting everything within arm's reach. Exactly. Although it's cricket, you don't need to because it's slow. So you can it go is back. An absolute to- dirge. <laughs> um, I don't blame the man for not singing, but uh, nonetheless, uh, he ended up playing through back spasms and winning player of the match, and then. Continue and then in the next game against Pakistan, my uh, my mother country, the <laughs> he didn't sing the anthem again, and the news.com that you double down again, and the headline I kid you not reads burn him at the stake what? anthem storm erupts. No. Well, what they've done, because, of course, they've operated in very good faith. Um, and funnily enough, none of these articles had bylines on them. I don't know mm, why. I can't um, imagine why. Mm. Uh, so the quote, burn him at the stake, was someone sarcastic on Twitter being like, oh, burn him at the stake. Uh, that's uh, um, so. just clickbait, essentially. But um, yeah. And obviously that's as far as it went. Although the thing is when they do that, then Sky News will report on it and it becomes a feedback loop. Um, exactly. So the reaction on social media was very strong. Um, I had actually more than a couple of very senior people in this industry uh, use this language. But one person caught, just said to me, uh, cunt, it <laughs> demonstrates you can be a vulture and still make a living. Utter, utter garbage. <laughs> Outrage always gets clicked, but what do you stand for as a publication as a, and as a journalist? <laughs> it's not. I was not expecting that word when you wanted to swear, but um, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, I would have been impressed if he instead sang the Pakistani anthem. Then, then, then he would have at least given something, given news something to really froth about. Oh, that would that would blow some minds. Yeah. If, if Adam Zampa speaks, Urdu, let me let me know. I'd like to <laughs> Pakistan Zimba, but I can get around that. Um, <laughs> um, I've kept you for so long already, but there's one more topic that we were chatting about. Have me for as long as you like. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. You finish your cricket training, I take it. Mm. Exactly, I have. Uh, we, it's hard to talk about what's going on in the world without turning our heads to the gut-wrenching um, scenes that we're seeing uh, in uh, Palestine and in Gaza in particular. Um, and there was a, a strange kind of um, report uh, from a Channel 7 news journalist this week where they had taken, uh, you need to fill me in on this, directly taken a briefing from the Israel Defence Forces and then reported directly on air what they'd been told. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, or actually, I should, I should qualify that with, to be, to be fair to, to Chris Reason, who his 6pm bulletin earlier this week, uh, with a briefing from the IDF. Um, it was alongside a lot of it was firstly made very clear what information had come from the IDF and what had been sort of verified independently 
But the it was really fascinating because as far as we're aware, he was the only Australian journalist to be in that briefing. And the IDF briefed a number of the world's media uh, in what appeared to be a big cinema. It's a really it's a really fascinating watch actually. And they ran through about a few sorry, my apologies, quite a lot of body camp footage from the October 7 incursion. Uh, and so that included some really, really graphic scenes. Which which we won't detail because no. who knows exactly, you know, exactly. whether so where that footage time. came from given it was weeks after the event. Mm, so there was quite a lot of graphic detail in that footage that was shown to the journalists and the IDF sort of elaborated on a lot of detail in terms of numbers, patients and so on and so forth mm. that was then sort of reported. And that's part of a, a bit of, more than the fact that seven were there um, because I think, to be fair to Chris Reason, he's done a good job in terms of making that The I think the bigger thing that it illustrates is the scale of the Israeli campaign mm. around this. We've never seen, as far as I can, as far as I'm aware, armies briefing journalists directly. Yeah. We've never seen entire countries shit posting on Twitter. Yeah. We've it's extraordinary stuff. The propaganda is in full force. They've also any, I mean, they're obviously trying to shut down access for certain news organisations, namely Al Jazeera, and we saw some horrendous reporting or, you know, footage um, in the last couple of days of an Al Jazeera reporter who on air discovered that his uh, whole family who he'd moved what he, to what he thought was safe to safety um, out of Gaza, um, you know, and he discovered on air that they had been... That, that they'd been killed in a in a bomb uh, from an Israeli bomb, and um, you know, for them, for the yeah, for the IDF to be cherry picking the international media that they then brief directly. I mean, obviously, it's the the prop- it's war. <laughs> you know, that's the propaganda machine is in full force, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That that's terrifying, and my, and my heart goes out to to everyone in Palestine as well. So why is always uh, the, the journalist in question, and yeah, heartbreaking, unbelievable. Uh, I it broke me today. Mm, 100%. And the that's common. The obviously, it's also so difficult as a journalist to verify anything. Exactly. So, it's, I mean, this is why it's so important not to not to report it if it's unverified. And this is why I find it so incredible that that in the Australian media media are reporting so much that has come to them directly from the uh, Israel Defence Forces without without verifying it. You know, the truth is the first casualty of war and it's almost like, you know, we're watching that play out in, in real time and um, he's hoping it, it doesn't continue. Amy Ramikas from The Guardian, who's their, I want to say chief political reporter, I could be wrong, my apologies, Amy, if I'm wrong, The came out with a tweet and she just said, we are now seeing, like, never again we claim how the worst atrocities, I might be paraphrasing you, but never again can we claim how we didn't know yeah. how the worst atrocities of history ever occurred. Exactly, because it's um, unfolding in front of us. Exactly. In many cases, we've like it match. We, we now we yeah. have black, now we, we cheerlead when there's war mm. and there's people and there's people that die and there's people that die in really tragic circumstances uh, that don't have control over it. 
Um, Danny, you are cutting in and out now, so we might leave it there, but I'm so grateful to you for joining me and being my um, my proxy um, co-host this evening. It's been such a great chat and um, we hope to welcome you back on Spin Cycle and congratulations on the new gig with Crikey. Thank you so much, Pat. This has been such a pleasure. I can't wait to get back on. <laughs> Excellent. We'll chat soon. Triple R. I got an SMS after that um, chat that we had, um, that Dani and I had, where someone uh, has said, um, I understand you questioning the information coming out of the IDF, but why aren't you also questioning the information that comes out of Hamas? Are you assuming that Hamas aren't an impe- are an impeachable source of truth? And I just want to say, at no point did we provide any information that ca- had come out of Hamas in that conversation. I never spoke of them. We spoke about uh, a journalist who had we, we spoke about something that we had seen that had been um, uh, broadcast on social media uh, I've only read first person accounts via social media from people who are in Gaza and I am basing my understanding of what is happening to Palestinians from those first person accounts I am not listening to Hamas. We did not talk then at all about Hamas. We were talking about a Channel 7 reporter who was directly briefed from by the Israeli Defence Force and then presented information from that briefing. And I think it's really important that we don't constantly have to present false equivalences when it comes to this conflict. You know, uh, Spin Cycle, we just try really hard to make sense of the spin and the confusion that can sometimes come with uh, the news cycle. And also we try and look for the humanity in everything. And right now, more than anything, that's what we need to do. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us every week on your favourite podcast platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Sample, at Lily Juice, and at The Shuffle Diary. You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via On Demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a Triple R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps Triple R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this.